This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right, go ahead. Welcome back to another episode of Wisco Fanatics. Uh, we have a full house today. Bryant and Simon have joined Tyler and myself. Uh, we're going to recap the Packers versus Raiders game. So as we get started, I'm going to do as I always do. Simon, how you doing, buddy? Good, man. Everything's great. Can't just think of a eating, better place to be. Just eating all the chickens. All <laughs> of the chickens. I haven't eaten yet today. I had to get I had to get extra wings. <laughs> I had to get all of Alaska's chickens. Look at all those chickens. Oh top five top five vine of all time. Contest, dude. Popeye's wings are not that bad. There's one being like fast tracked like right in between my house on my way to work. So I'm gonna have Popeye's in my near future. Hell yeah. They're naked tenders are really good, dude. They're black and pepper tenders. Those are good as fuck, dude. Brian, how you doing, buddy? Uh, now that we're talking about food, and I kind of want a snack now, so that's fine. <laughs> I had Buffalo Wild Wings before. Be your snack. Anyways, right. no, I'm pretty good. <laughs> had a pretty good week work. You know, a big week that's coming good. up. And, you know, Bentley's birthday. I get that surprise. I'm sort of bringing them to Green Bay uh, for that Rams game. So hopefully, we pull our heads out of our fifth point of contact and play a little bit better. <laughs> hey, you Brian, did, you didn't like funny. What? You didn't take your rich people money and buy them a truck or something like that? or oh, Shut up. <laughs> you, said, you said I'll be your snack right when the timer said 69 seconds. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's how it's done. I like that. Roscoe said love is a below average QB and Packers fans insist that this guy is good. Well, his well, last name is named after a dog. So. In your <laughs> opinion is dog. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get. To that. Can we get to that comment after we do yeah. that stuff? And I mean, we're gonna talk we about. To, we can get to that discussion at any uh, point. Well, well, what about you, Tyler? How are you? I am splendid, and just sharing the uh, sharing the old show and all the Packers groups that I'm in, so we can try to reach more people. Hell yeah! I mean, Ross I have to do some show on Fridays, and I'm staring at my phone because I'm sharing. Ross's opinion is valid for now. Sure, you can say that, but there's. A, but it's also invalid because there's so much to learn yet. Exactly. Well, here's and that's the thing. My thing is 
Sure. And I have this actually written in my notes. We can start with this if we want to. Is Jordan Love. We can let's just start with Jordan Love. We'll just we'll move this from the bottom to the top. So Jordan Love, yes, he is in year four. However, he does not have four years of quarterback experience. Yeah. How many times have you heard people say that there's no replication for game reps? There's no substitute for game reps. There's yeah. nothing like game reps. So he's in his what he started six games in his career. Yep. And, and we're really yeah. already yeah. like ready for the backup quarterback and shit. Like, really? That's where we're at. That's where we're at. We are six games into not having a Hall of Fame quarterback, and we're calling for the backup already. Tyler, we just went from not to like interrupt you, but we just went from Brewers fans freaking out, right? About mm-hmm. losing in the playoffs. And then we had a massive amount of them apologizing after watching the hundred win Dodgers, the hundred win Orioles, and the hundred and whatever win Braves lose in the second round in way more embarrassing ways than the Brewers did. This is the same people that cheer for the Packers. So I, I want everybody to take that context when you're talking about Jordan Love and they're asking for Sean Clifford to start. These are the same people. Look, so, for, I wanted to say, like, and I, I know this is one of the concepts you are things you covered, Tyler, but I didn't think the coaching was good at all in that game. I don't know what the game plan was. I thought it was too many checkdowns. I don't know what they're doing. But as far as Jordan Love, he made two bad interceptions, yes. That third interception trying to win the game, you know how hard it is to roll left and throw a dot 45 yards on the field? That's just not something people do on a regular basis. He was a second late with the throw, and Christian Watson was open, yes. But he's trying to win the game there, so I'm not going to blame him for that one. People can say Christian Watson could have came back to the ball, sure. But he was also running down the field, kind of backpedaling. That's a lot harder to do, too. I'm not going to blame him for trying to win the game. Right. We need to talk about that play, too, because Watson was initially open. Yeah. And the reason that that ball wasn't delivered when Watson was originally open, he had pressure in his face. And unfortunately, it was Elton Jenkins that got beat on that play. Yeah. So, and this is what I'm going to come around to, is the Packers did not lose this game because of Jordan Love. They did not lose this game because of the offensive line. They did not lose this game because A.J. Dillon only averaged, say, 3.8 yards per carry. They did not lose this game because of Joe Barry. They did not lose this game because of injuries or coaching. It is a collective effort here. Why would we blame one person? And that's bullshit, and I've come back to it so many times. And if I'm you want to find one it. person to blame, then you need that. That needs if they're doing the whole collective, it needs to be on Matt Lafleur, not just the individual coach position coaches. Sure, Matt Lafleur needs to make sure they're ready to play because that is his job. But there was, there's like nothing was really good this game. That we will we'll talk about, you know, the uh-huh. stars and stuff of the game. But it's not like right. a lot of times someone jumps out at us. There wasn't like it was so bad we forgot to identify our stars until like this afternoon like uh, but that's i don't i just i don't i don't agree with that I, I guess what part about nobody jumping out i think there were definitely guys that okay like a couple, <laughs> yeah press i'll give you that preston smith had a great game i thought and then i thought rudy ford rudy, rudy ford yeah, played well really too other than hey, one so there's one play i'll talk about with rudy ford but yeah one, one thing um I want to say before we jump off of uh, Jordan Love stuff um, is I don't know who 
I guess, didn't expect an up and down year from him. Like, unfortunately, these last couple of games have been a little bit of a downswing. Mm-hmm. But week one and week two, everyone was like, hell yeah, like Jordan Love, that, uh, he looks good. And, like, obviously not perfect, but, like, you can see the talents there. It's just putting stuff together, especially with – and, like, I'm not trying to make excuses or anything, but, like, we have – what was it? I read something ridiculous. Like, we only spent – 70 some million dollars on the offense this year and that's with david bakhtiari and aaron like, I, yeah and aaron jones everyone else is on their rookie contracts i think except for elton jenkins except for elton jenkins yeah yep sorry so uh, elton jenkins is the only other one so that's two guys that are the highest paid in our offense are two of the three highest paid people in our offense not playing currently and it's like yeah, probably in the third, probably still. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, we still have to somewhat temper our expectations as far as, I mean, the 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 offense just needs time to gel, and that I mean, chemistry takes is a large part of you playing a fucking team sport with fifty three people on the roster. It, and that's just, the thing too. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. That was basically it. That's the other thing too is that people need to remember that Jordan Love is not the only inexperienced player on this roster, especially on the offense. I mean, you look at, I mean, you look at the targets like Luke Musgrave and Jaden Reed are what I would say are two of the top four targets in the offense. They're both rookies. The other two top four targets in the offense, Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs are second year players who missed chunks of time of their rookie seasons because of injuries. Yep. Well, it's not even like they're they've got 17 games under their belt from last season. So that's something we need to keep in mind, and we just we just gotta have some goddamn patience from the fan base. So uh, going back to Jordan Love's development, I, I yeah. will say this was as much as I guess we've been clamoring for his decision making. <laughs> I guess I just don't understand a couple of the things that he did this week. That first pick was god awful. Well, like, I, 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 I will. I, like, I just, I guess he just didn't see the linebacker. It reminded me of, I think, the first one that he threw against the Lions, too, where it was just like, okay, yeah. he's trying to set up and get a rhythm throw and not, and not really taking in what he's seeing or taking the time to look. It's just more so like, okay, I worked on this in practice. I do this, I take a three step drop, and I throw the ball here. Yep. So, That's what it seems like to me. I was. I mean, the second, I was yeah, that was a bad throw. And the second interception, how many times do we see that ball just fall to the ground for people to, you know what I mean? Like, it, don't get me wrong, Marcus Peters had him set up and he was there to break up the play. But I guess you could say, you can argue that he was on a third down, he was giving his wide receiver a chance to make a play. Yep. And then it just happened that it punched up in the air and went to somebody. That one I have written down. I don't, I don't put that one on Love's decision making. I credit that one to the defense for playing good yep. defense. I agree with that. That was actually a good play call because they had a safety over the top, so it allowed yeah. Peters to kind of – because he's been playing really soft, and they talked about it a lot. But real quick, this is all I'm going to say. Going into this season, obviously we all knew up and down. I wanted Love to be put in uncomfortable situations because the only way is to succeed in life, Tyler and I talk about it all the time, is to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Put him in a lot of late-game drives. He's been in a lot of them. We're literally a drive against Atlanta – and one drive against the, the Las Vegas Raiders from being four and one. If he's successful on both those drives, we're four and one right now. 
We got our tails kicked against Detroit. We could be four and one, uh, a kind of a fake I four and Detroit. one because we were beat up on yeah. bad teams. But we could be four and one right now. Yeah, literally, now, if that ball to Watson is two foot higher, it's a touchdown. We probably win that game. Yeah, and that's a, a incredibly hard to throw, a, or just a perfect pocket. I mean, that's yeah. yeah. It, the other it's, thing it's, too is there were two drops on that last drive too. One by Rasgrave and one by um, um, Dubs. Dubs, thank you. The first down one, the Dubs. So that would have changed pretty much everything. See, I was I was very highly critical. You know, when we get to coaching, I'll talk a little bit more. But I was really highly critical of Lafleur's coaching in this game too. Um, I especially in the red zone. I don't think he called a great game, but. Uh, that first play call on that last drive was 100% the right call, and that was a great throw by Love. So, Dubs has got to catch that. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Um, let's do let's do one other perspective adjustment before we get into the stars from this game. And I want to ask you guys this question <clears throat> is, what, what are our goals for this season? We talked about this less than two months ago, what the goals are for this season. So I just kind of wanted to bring this back to the forefront and discuss it again because I have something that I want to say about where we are as far as Green Bay football is concerned. Like personally or like my yeah, personal let's, let's goals let Brian in life? Start. I want to hear Brian's thoughts on this. Goals was, for the season. Okay, so I would say my our goal for the season should be to let Jordan Love develop and see if he's the guy that we think we can build around or if we have to – I don't want to say start looking right away, but if we, you know, he's going to have next year as well, but at least start posturing to do something like that. Because yes, it, I get it. His first year starting his fourth year in the league. So if he show, if he continues to show like improvement and he learns from this last game and stuff throughout the season, then that's where like, okay, this is the guy we're going to try to build around him at least for the next handful of years and see where we can go. Or if we have a bunch, handful more games, a handful more games, like, this pass and we don't see anything change, then you start having a different conversation of, okay, maybe it's, you know, we'll get, let him start next year, but we need to have a backup plan or, you know, God forbid we get, you know, we're in, we're in first pick territory, then that's a different conversation. But um, yeah, I would just say to posture ourselves to see if this is the, the team, we, you know, we're going to build around um, or if we're going to start a, you know, a little bit of a mini reset because that opens up a whole lot of other, you know, mm-hmm. things that we need to look into. So. Simon? Um, I pretty much agree with everything Bryant said. I just, I think, I don't know. I, I guess personally it just depends on your expectations for the season. For for me, uh, if I remember correctly, I am anywhere from seven to nine wins or seven to ten wins with a possibility of a wild card. Like, I wouldn't even say strong possibility. I would say at best we would just take a wild card game and then we'd end up playing like fucking San Francisco or, or, or Philly or something. And we'd probably just get our ass whooped. If I'm being completely honest, if everything yeah. is going the way this season looks like it's going like San Fran and Philly looks like the top two teams. And I don't think we could be either of those teams, even at the start of the year, I probably would have said the same thing, uh-huh. yeah. but um but yeah, like basically everything around the season resolve, revolves, excuse me, around whether or not Jordan Love can be our quarterback going forward. And I think what Green Bay in the offseason did with his contract reflects that, mm-hmm. like offering him a high incentive based contract going into next year instead of giving him 
you know, the regular fifth year option and then playing it off the fourth year. So, I mean, to, that's, that's for me. I, I like my expectations for the season were never to, Oh, we're definitely going to the playoffs. And we're definitely going to make a deep playoff run again. I, I think most people are like, everyone would have been surprised by that. Mm-hmm. In my opinion. That's fair. So I'll go real quick. Then I'll let Tyler finish this up. But for me, uh, obviously, Jordan Love is the the investment, right? That's that's the fir- that's the first thing you have to look at. Uh, that's the first thing that every NFL franchise looks at is is this quarterback worth the investment? Uh, give him an extension after uh, next year's uh, contract. But after that, I believe the most important investment you can make on a football team is offensive line. And we're finding finding that out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. That offensive line play is pretty important. Um, on top of having 30 years of Hall of Fame quarterback play, we've had 30 years of pretty goddamn good offensive line play. We've had some good offensive linemen come and leave and draft some new ones, and we've been pretty lucky up front uh, on top of wide receivers and running backs. So I think we have to look ourselves in the face, and we have to be honest with ourselves. Jordan Love is not getting a fair shot, and I'm not making excuses for him, but he's got to learn to adjust, right? So we have to have the offensive line play better. So everybody on the offensive line is getting looked at right now. And Mm -hmm. running back is not important until running back is important, correct? So everybody wants to dog running backs, but now running back is looking like one of the biggest problems on this roster right now Um, with A.J. Dillon really limited in the the play calls that you can call for him and A.J. Dillon's inability – or A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones' inability to stay on the field. So um, we need to look at running back. We need to look at offensive line. And just let Jordan Love develop how he develops, in my opinion. So I asked this question. So I want to look at some perspective so far. Green Bay has won two of their five games so far. That's about 40%, which puts them on a pace to win 6.8 games, which I'm going to round up to seven. We all talked about having them between seven and 10 wins. Yeah. Now, I mean, you look at you look at anywhere – um, online that does record predictions. Um, it's Bleacher Report had him at eight and nine. Sports Illustrated and NBC had him at ten and seven. Pro Football Network had him at eight and nine, and CBS had him at seven and ten. If the Packers play five hundred pace for the rest of the season, they would finish eight and nine. There are also several other teams that had higher expectation and currently worse or equal to records. And first one, Rams. Rams are two and three. You can say they didn't have Cooper Cup for the first four weeks, but they also have Puka Nakua, who has turned out to be very, uh, very useful, I'll say. They also still have a veteran quarterback, and they still have fucking Aaron Donald on their team. Look at Cincinnati. Talk about offensive line being important. Yeah. Joel Joe Burrow is not in a, in a great place. He's not having a good time. And he's currently the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Player. Well, yes, player. Um, you look at the New York Giants. They are one in four. They were a playoff team last year. They and they won a playoff awful. game last year. Correct. And the team they beat in the playoffs last year is also one in four, being the Minnesota Vikings. So there are teams with higher expectations who have similar or worse records than the Green Bay Packers. So, you know, you can call it 
fuck, call it a moral victory if you want, but the fact is, it could be worse. We could have higher expectations and more disappointment. Like last year. Sure. Now, the reason that I wanted to ask you guys this question about what is our goal? My goal, I would say, is we are at a talent evaluation point at several position groups. Obviously, quarterback is something you guys all brought up. Wide receiver is another one. Tight end is another one. Defensive line is another one. Interior offensive line. Interior offensive line. So we have all these position groups where we're talking about evaluation. I noticed how none of you said the goal was to make the playoffs. And I wanted that to be the case because what I like, what I have written down and why I wanted to discuss this is the Green Bay Packers are not a win now team. No, they are not in a win now situation. They are not in win now mode. Now, why I bring this up is because we are not, I repeat, we are not going to be making win now moves. There will be no coaches fired. Jordan Love is not getting benched, and we are not trading for or trading out any players. Why does everybody want us to trade for Jerry Judy? Because ESPN said it. But that doesn't make sense. He's been awful. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't been good. No, I mean, I, mean, I wouldn't say good, but I, I don't think he's been, like, awful. But Dude, the thing he, is, he, he, he isn't worth a, he isn't worth the first round pick. I'll give you that. Right but like a third. Well, well, I mean, no, no, no. I'm saying first round pick that they gave for him. Yeah. Like they spent yes, on him. ESPN, the trade, the dumbass fucking trade that they suggested was Romeo Dobbs in a second for Judy and a first. <laughs> Not no. a chance. Yeah. yeah. They can, yeah, no, they yeah. can piss that off. Was, that was like <laughs> my response to that was was this looks like something that Bleacher Report would cook up. Like hey Romeo, thanks funny. for working really hard the last two yeah. years. Now go die in Denver. <laughs> but that's my I think thing. People underestimate like Dobbs' leadership on the field because yeah. he's not super vocal in the locker room. So that I would be absolutely shocked if we were to trade Romeo Dobbs. No, in fact, I don't think if we trade for Jerry Judy, we wouldn't be trading any of our young or at least Dobbs, Jaden Reed, and Watson are not going anywhere. We're not. I'm gonna. I'm, I will. I'll say this as an absolute: the Packers are not going to fire any coaches, and they're not going to trade any players. Dude, I, it, I don't it, know if I agree with the trading players thing fully. If especially if we, we go off the rails, cut lose a couple more games in a row, we there's I think there's a chance that this team will get even younger next year because you I, I David Bakhtiari is going to be off the team, right. Aaron Jones is going to be off the team. Yeah. I doubt Devondre Campbell is going to be back at this point because Isaiah McDuffie I think is good, and then I think Quay Walker is showing a lot. Uh, so those are three veterans right there, and then you're talking about I think Josh Myers is due a contract. Chris I think. Preston Smith will probably be gone. Uh, you know, I love him unless he restructures again, which Preston yep. Smith, I could see doing it. Even if Aaron Jones wants to restructure, I don't know that you do it at this point. I think you need to find a young running back. So if we were going to trade for anyone, if we bring anyone in, it's got to be someone that they're young yet on a, you know their first rookie contract and that we're looking to have for the next several years. But Brian, more I'd, be, I'd be very surprised if Campbell didn't come back next year. What's his cap? Yeah, I thought he 11, was. He has eleven million dead cap. Oh, okay. I thought and it was, I thought it's, it's was four, fourteen million. So they would only they wouldn't save that much by cutting him. Okay, uh, for some reason I thought this this year was his. No, um, it's uh, next year. But, uh, yeah, the year after that would be okay. fine. Then he'll probably be back unless we trade him. But yeah. 
But yeah, even still, like I said, with this being an evaluation year, we are five games into the season. Nobody's getting fired. I'm sorry. You know, we're we're not going to be making these super drastic moves yeah. from the youngest team in the NFL five games into a, an evaluation year season. Okay. So that said, we can get to this Raiders game now that we've had this perspective readjustment. Our stars of the game, I have the first one. It's Rudy Ford. He's quietly been a very pretty consistent safety. Yeah. Um, outside of some missed tackles earlier in the season, he's been very good. He now has back-to-back weeks with an interception. He also had a really good pass breakup last week. And overall, I mean, his tackling, like I said, since early in the season has been pretty good. Um, and then with Darnell Savage going down and not returning for the second half of this football game, Rudy Ford became basically the leader of the safety group, and I think he did very well. So Rudy okay. Ford gets our first star of the game. Jake has the second one. So we decided on Preston Smith, and I think that's a great choice. Preston Smith had a really, really good game. Uh, three total tackles, two solo. He had a sack. I uh, love the sack celebration, so always nice to see the Preston Smith sack celebration. Uh, he also had a tackle for loss, a pass defense, and two quarterback hits. So, a uh, mouthful of stats from Preston Smith. Uh, Simon has our third star. Uh, Anders Carlson. I mean, after – yeah, I don't know. We've said it before on the show. Like, after the whole preseason thing where he's just missing kicks left and right, and he's just been a model for consistently consistency. I can't speak today or ever. Um <laughs> this season uh, he hasn't he hasn't he hasn't missed a kick yet this year and he can actually kick out of the end zone so i'm gonna say it i'm gonna i'm gonna knock on wood there might be an anders carlson apology form in the works i'm in (laughs) um bryant got to pick our underrated performer this week so there's definitely a couple people i looked at for this isaiah mcduffie was in the running I think Christian Watson had a pretty good game, being as the fact that he had like 50% of our production through the passing game. Granted, one of the 77 yard touchdown or 77 yard catch that we wish he could, you know, crank it up all the way. Maybe he's still just holding it back a little bit. That's neither here nor there. I know you're going to talk about that play later, Jake. But then, uh, but the person I went with was AJ Dillon because um, okay. the stat that Simon shared with us is pretty disgusting, right? So, yeah, he only had 3.8 yards per carry, but two point, what was it, 2.7 yards Seven. per carry carry after contact that means for the 70 percent of the yards he produced in the running game was after he was initially contacted so you know he kept us in that he you know he i just feel like we didn't take advantage of the play action we could have ran off of it and that that's a coaching thing in my opinion yeah, or maybe jordan was, talking about that yeah. yeah jordan was not on but uh i thought dylan at least gave us something in the running game that we should have been able to build on and we didn't he I'll say with AJ Dillon specifically, he was leaps and bounds better than he was the previous two and a half weeks. Hundred percent. Okay, so yeah, Jake, I'm pretty sure he had a couple of really good pass blitz pickups too. He did. He did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Jake, I know you wanted to talk about a certain play uh, before we start getting into the the aspects of the game, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so. There's a lot of rumors going around the NFL the last couple of weeks that Josh McDaniels is, uh, you know, excuse my French, he's a piece of shit, and uh, I'm really starting to believe it. Uh, he had comments after the game talking about the horse collar tackle that Marcus Peters put on Christian Watson, and 
the thing that that I walked away from when I thought about this, and I said this to a lot of people all week long, was what if he would have, you know, what if Watson uh, would have got ripped to the ground, he slammed his head on the ground, he got a concussion. He had problems with concussion last year. CTE is not a joke. Like, these brain injuries are not something to just laugh at. And what if if his foot would have got stuck in the ground and would have tore his knee up? Uh, We have a guy who used to be an all-pro, one of the best players at his position. He's paid like it. And now the guy can't stay on the field. And it's terrible to watch these fans tear him apart. His name is David Bakhtiari. What if his knee, what if Watson's knee would have got tore up and his career is over? He never gets to a second contract. A guy with all, all that talent never gets to a second contract because of what Josh McDaniels called the right play. That is garbage. It is a flag and it is a penalty for a reason. Now, Tyler and I were actually talking about this. And I believe Tyler, you know. I believe that he came up with a really, really good solution. So when I was thinking about it, I was thinking about the transition foul that the NBA kind of implemented this year where when you foul, I believe it's you get two free throws on the ball, right? And that that's if you foul 94 feet away, you know, which is almost damn near impossible, but it is possible. Um, so, Tyler, why don't you tell your idea and we'll see what the people think. So my thought with this was – it's and like Jake brought up the NBA follow the clear path foul. Yep. So Christian Watson obviously had a clear path to the end zone, and the only thing preventing him from scoring the touchdown was having his collar of his jersey and pads grabbed. So my thought was, if there is a an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty of that nature called when a player has a clear path to the end zone is to give an uncontested field goal from the extra point distance worth three points. And then the offense keeps the ball. They would never do that, but that'd be fun. <laughs> Think about it. Think about but it. If you're going to that's the right play, if that's the right play, well, then put, put your nuts on the line. That's all I'm going to say. So apparently, I feel like there would be too much subjectivity there. Same with, like, apparently there's a rule that it would have allowed them to give the Packers a touchdown on a play. I don't know. I you know, it was Matt Ramage or something showing, showing a, sharing a video talking about the rule in the playbook or what are the, the rule in the book that states that they can award the touchdown there. But I don't think it'll ever happen. And that's the thing is because it occurred inside the five yard line, it only or inside the ten yard line, it only ended up being like a three yard penalty yeah, for a so horse collar tackle. I would like, be more. I would be more in line with them if you get a fifteen yard penalty within the. 15 yards, it goes to the one-yard line. And that was one of the things that Jake brought up, actually, when we discussed this. But when it's, like I said, when it's a player safety issue, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, there has to be a a harsher thing to stop that play from being in the game of football. Because like Jake said, it's a a garbage thing to say that that was a good play. Right. Like that, that shouldn't be in the game. And if you look at college, what they did with targeting – you have to set out a game. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, think... I don't, I don't think that that's necessarily the right thing to do with a horse collar tackle, but I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there has to be something more than what only ended up equating to a four yard penalty for horse collar tackling a guy away from scoring a touchdown. Yeah, I would definitely be on board with them putting it on the one yard line. I think would be a smart move there. I agree with that. And and I'm not, as long as it's, it's a personal fall because you'd have to think about too, like on a punt return, we wouldn't. Like if a team gets a hold on a punt return for a punt to the eight, it shouldn't go to the one. But if it's a personal foul, sure, put it on their your own one. Then at that point, I think that would be something they could do. Something like a fifteen yard penalty. It's moving to the one yard line. 
either way. Yeah, no more half the distance on a on a yeah. player safety type yeah. bubble. Yeah, which you know, I'm not saying it because we didn't score a touchdown. I'm saying it just because of the fact that like this is this guy's living. Watson's oh, clearly yeah. had problems, like you know, staying on the field. So like a play like that, that's dangerous, like that, where he could get hurt, is like that's that's not the right play. And for McDaniel's to to pump that up and say that after the game is just completely garbage to me. Yeah. All right. So Brian, as we move into the offense, how how are the wide receiver development? How is that coming along in your eyes? As far as that game, it was not good. Um, I kind of alluded to it already, you know, Watson had most of the yards and most of them came on that one play. Like, um, so he had like 91 yards. Jaden Reed had one catch. Dobbs had one catch. Wicks had one catch. So I, I, I want to, I want to say, I feel like it was a lot more of the game plans game too many. I don't know what they were trying to do with check downs and screens a lot. I didn't feel like there was many slants ran or in cuts, you know, in the middle of the field. I don't know what the, if they seen something on tape that worried them or something, but um, I thought this should have been a game that our wide receivers ate and they just did not. So um, it was not a good game as far as wide receiver development in my eyes. Um, so, like I said, I don't know if that's the game plan or Jordan Love was just not having a good game, but or maybe the wide receivers weren't getting open too. I don't. I haven't watched the all twenty-two tapes, so um, so that's also possible. But overall, this was not a good game for the wide receivers. This was, I believe it was in the first half that I saw this stat, and I, I can't confirm if this was the entire game or if it was only the first half. But what I saw was from the first half was um, the Packers wide receivers were averaging 0.6 yards of separation. Oh, God. Against that secondary is just atrocious. That's tough. Um, Jason said it should be automatic touchdown plus you keep the ball. <laughs> I think that's a little much, Jason. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about all that, but um, you got to remember, like, yeah, you want to compare it to basketball, but it, it's a, it takes ten seconds to hit a three pointer in a basketball game. Right. It takes a whole drive of fifteen yards to hit. A oh, touchdown. right, right, right. That's that's why my thing was to do the the field goal from the extra point distance. Yeah. Okay. Uh, looking at rookie tight ends, I do want to give credit to Sims for making his first career catch and stiff arming a dude on his way to a first down yeah. well, that was cool um <laughs> thank you minnesota for paying most of his contract for him to be playing for us um <laughs> seems like you could use a couple guys to catch passes oh <laughs> um it's minnesota i don't mind kicking them all they're down that's fair <laughs> um, i do hope jefferson's okay because i was gonna say one. yes i wouldn't joke about the guy being injured but um, hey man, they're in full tank for Caleb mode now. Let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> Let's not kid ourselves. Come on now. Hello, the Vikings and Bears being tied with the same record. That is that is entertaining. <laughs> it's a garbage. Bears fans would have told you that they'd both be four and one, but they're both one and four, which is entertaining. Okay. The other thing I want to say on the rookie tight ends is that Luke Musgrave is already a large part of the game plan. I'd really like to see him get more opportunities in the red zone which I'll kind of discuss a little bit more when we talk about the coaching. But mm. Luke Musgrave does need to clean up some X's and O's, and he does need to clean up some route running. So we are what I'm seeing from Luke Musgrave, and you can see Matt LaFleur pulling him aside on the sideline often to talk to him. We are seeing that Luke Musgrave is a raw athletic talent, and they're going to develop the football IQ part of him. Mm. It's 
and this actually I'm going to use a, a John Horst quote to talk about this, but he talks about it's easier to teach an athlete how to play a sport than it is to teach uh, a player how to be two inches taller or to be faster or to be stronger. You can teach a player football. You can't teach them physical traits. And yes, there is like, you know, there's obviously weightlifting and stuff, but like raw athletic ability, you can teach them the mental side easier than you can teach them, you know, to, like I said, to be taller. So we're seeing that with Luke Musgrave. And this goes back to like what I said with patience, we have to be patient. We are five games in to a season where we are not expected to be Super Bowl contenders and people are already not handling it well. Got to chill out, be patient. So going to the passing game distribution. Oh, go ahead. What was that? I mean, it was expected for people that are unrealistic to lose. I know. And it's still, we said all summer, like have, like this isn't the year we should be looking to win the Super Bowl. And, I mean, it's not that they need to listen to us or anything, but I think we all four of us has been pretty level-headed on what the expectations should be this year. And yes, like all of us were like, "What the heck during the game?" But once again, we calm down. We kind of look at it as a you know a big picture, but yeah. we can't ask every. I mean, we're hoping everyone does that, but yeah. I mean, that's not the case. I feel like we've said it probably a hundred times too that they're going to win games they shouldn't, and they're going to lose games they shouldn't. So if this is a game you feel like the Packers should have won. We agree with you, and it also doesn't surprise us they're they're capable of losing a game like that. I really don't know what's more hilarious to me is watching people freak out over unrealistic expectations or watching old people complain that the Badgers play on Peacock again in a couple weeks. Like, (laughs) dude, I am not kidding when I say this. That is my favorite thing to laugh at now. (laughs) I I just read the comments. They're like, it's like when the the NFL was doing all the – you know, the Black Lives Matter stuff and the NBA and stuff. They're like, you lost a fan today. You lost a fan today. I hope continue lose other games. I'm like, wow, bro. Like, you old people think you run the world. That is hilarious <laughs> to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> on the passing game distribution, nine different players targeted, eight different players with a reception, which is impressive considering the fact that he only had 16 completions total. Um, Jason said this is a growing year. It's a young team. They're going to have up and downs. That's 1,000% true. Um, Two players had seven targets, Christian Watson and Luke Musgrave. One player had five targets, Patrick Taylor. And Romeo Dobbs had four targets. So overall, I am still pretty pleased with how well the ball is being spread around. I do like that, and that does (laughs) give me hope for the future that as all of these players who we're talking about, except for Patrick Taylor – Dobbs, Musgrave, Watson, Love, they are all in their first or second year starting. They are all growing at the same time. That, to me, is what excites me for the future, for what they could be as they all are developing. Because this is a situation where if they all hit, the Packers offense two years from now could be insane. And you're going to be in a situation where, like, who the fuck do we guard? (laughs) <laughs> so that's that's what excites me about this and that's why i do appreciate that jordan love hasn't hyper focused on any of these guys and he doesn't have the this is my guy he's the guy that i'm going to throw to in every single pressure situation if he can trust all of his players in pressure situations 
that is what's going to make the Packers a very difficult team to stop in the passing game in the future. Yep. I was a little surprised that Romeo didn't get more involved in this game, but like I said, I think it. I just don't think the game plan was as up to snuff as it has, you know, could have been. Yeah, and we'll 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 talk about the game plan a little bit more. We get into coaching, but um, Simon, how did you feel about the offensive line? Uh, same story, different week. I thought they were pretty good against the pass rush for the most part. Um, Max Crosby is a fucking beast. Throwing yep. it out there, he killed. Breaking news. He, he killed us. It was like him and him alone. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like we said that. Like, don't let him get going. <laughs> but, but he did. To be honest, you know I feel like there was like three of them at one point. I was like, is there more than one of him right now? He was he was so good with us. And the, and the he, one play where Jordan Love like put him into the ground ended up getting oh. called back because of a penalty. I was like, was damn so it. Great. Yeah. That was so good. Oh, yeah. yeah. But he ended up with seven pressures and three stops against us. His average depth of tackle is negative two yards. Oh. <laughs> He was just so good. I, I love Max Crosby. He's a, he's a monster, dude. I can't, yeah, I can't, I can't hate on him. I was gonna say, and we all love Zach Tom, but that's a yeah. tough assignment. Oh, it wasn't even Zach Tom. I, I thought uh, Zach Tom. Zach Tom ended up having like, all the stunts. Uh, Matt Crosby. Yeah, he was running. Yeah. They were, they were, they were he's running all the way around the offensive line on the other side. <laughs> that's, <of him>. right. <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, just he, he bring he's around the Rosie out there and he's smacking us. Let me, I was looking at something. Give me two seconds to find it. Um, Adarian said, I feel that Romeo Dobbs should be the number one wide receiver and Christian Watson should yeah. be number two until he cleans up his route tree. Honestly, I'm going to say this. I don't think they have a defined number one, number two, number three. Yeah, I don't think so either. We've seen it be all of them. We've I seen think it be Adarian... Dobbs. We've seen it be Reed. We've seen it be Dontavian Wicks. We've seen it be Watson. I, I, I think as far as who should be number one, number two, I really think that's more of just – fans wanting to have a depth chart set of who's our number one, who's our number two, who's our number three. I really think, like I said, with the passing game distribution that they're looking to set this up as a, we have three number one wide receivers and a number one tight end. Yeah. I, I think Adarian, to your point, like I think Romeo is more so like the possession, like shorter area. And then the Watson needs to be the deep threat. And, and I want to see them both get the same on targets. I, I wanted to bring this up and I forgot to talk about it. Um, when we're talking about Jordan Love, there was a couple really good throws that he made that didn't get completed. That throw to Christian Watson way down the field where it hits him in the hands, that needs to be a catch. And then a that second the one. Drop. Yeah, and then the one later in the game, yeah. it was where Jordan was getting smacked essentially, but he got it out there. Christian just must have lost track of the ball or something. He didn't cut across. That could have been a completion too um, later in the game. So there was a couple really good throws, and that's where you want to see Christian Watson continue to develop. Like that's a catch that he probably – that if you ask him, he needs to make. Because he even holds up just a tiny bit, you can see him take like a half step slowdown, and then he has to reach more than for the ball than he probably wanted to, and it bounces off his hands. But that was a gorgeous throw. Like you yeah. need to complete that. So and he wore it after the game too. You could see him on the sidelines, you know, having his head in his hands. Like, yeah, he he expects more of himself, and I think we'll we'll continue to get that from him. Well, you know the the thing about this this depth chart thing is like we gotta we gotta let them develop. Uh, and I'm going to piggyback off of Tyler is we are in week five with a brand new quarterback. Um, we saw it against the lions where um, love was trying to make a play and Romeo Dobbs broke his route off and it ended up being an interception. That's just a thing where there is going to have to continue to get reps 
to understand each other. It's the same mm-hmm. thing with Watson. Watson and Love don't have a lot of time together. So the timing on some of these plays is going to be different than with Romeo Dubs and Jaden Reed and Luke Musgrave. And Dante so we got to just give it time. I don't care what number they are on the depth chart. Yeah. I agree with Tyler. I want to see the targets. If Romeo Dobbs is getting five and Watson's getting eight, and then next week Dobbs is getting eight and, and Watson's getting five, I'm okay with that. And I'm sick and tired of people saying that Watson needs to clean up his road tree. He's more than just a goddamn speed guy. He's a big guy that has speed, okay? So stop saying that he's just a, runs in a straight line fast. He does a lot of things really well. He actually did a back shoulder back shoulder throws, I thought, pretty well. He's good at in routes. Yeah, I mean, that outside route that he ran for that first down was a great route. Yeah, yep. I mean, the, too, the, the route yeah. that he, he had against the, the Eagles last year was a freaking in route. Yep. So stop saying that he's just a freaking straight line speed guy. He's more than that, okay? Yep. I'm, si- I'm sick and tired of that argument, too. I think people are so used to seeing like Devonte Adams. <laughs> it's fucking bro. Like those. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. guys are unicorns. Those guys are unicorns. I've said it once. I've said it. I've said it a million times. Rogers and Adams were literally created by the football gods for each other. Yeah. That pairing, <laughs> it, it literally doesn't get better than that. I'm not even kidding when I say that. The quick release and Adams' ability to get open in like negative five seconds is 
freaking untouchable. Adams is being held back by his quarterback play. There was one guy, one play where he made, I don't remember who our cornerback was, yeah. completely sat it was on his butt. If that's Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers knows that's coming at but that time. That, that, wasn't, that wasn't his read on the play. That was on the yeah. opposite side of the field. I know, but he smoked him. To your point, sure. like, how many people like Devontae Adams can seem to seemingly change direction well in midair? Like, it's just not. Bro, those guys don't grow on trees. Like, his <laughs> his footwork is insane. And that's yeah. the thing is we are we are in a much different position than we were two years ago. Yeah. It's actually, I shouldn't even say a much different position. It's completely brand new. Like the slate at the wide receiver room is completely wiped clean. We don't yep. have Devontae Adams, MVS, Alan Lazard, and Randall Cobb anymore. We are now into Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks. That's where we're at. So we, we can't put these four new guys into the boxes that the four guys that we had in 2020, 2021 were in. They're different players. They're different skill sets. We have to look at them objectively for what they do, not for what we've seen done by guys wearing the same jerseys in the past. True. I will say, just I know it's you know getting off the rails, but I would love to see Devontae get traded out of the Raiders for a chance to go win a Super Bowl somewhere before he kind of hits the end of his career. But I, the, unfortunately, the place, the best places that go for him would be like Kansas City, and they're not going to trade him to Kansas City. You know what I mean? So. We'll see what happens with him. Unless, you know, he wants to go to New York and wait for Aaron next year. But and People feel that a veteran presence with wide receiver will help us too. I mean, it, it could, Ooh. but the Packers, I'm going to tell you this right now, the Packers are not trading for Devontae Adams. No, it wouldn't. I mean, it wouldn't. People want to do the bring Tay home thing. It's it's just not happening. Yeah. The if they're going to trade, uh, trade for a veteran wide receiver, it has to be like a 26-year-old veteran wide receiver that they're going to have for the next five years. Okay. I don't know how many of those are on the market that I would even want. Probably not. Uh, not many. Um, okay. Simon, did you have anything else you wanted to say on the offensive line? Uh, no, that was pretty much it. Okay. Uh, Brian, how do you feel about the running game? Uh, I'll make it short and sweet. Uh, I'll basically talk and say exactly what I said about A.J. Dillon in the running game. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're only getting 1.1 carry or yards per, per carry before contact – the offensive line didn't play well. Um, so for the running game, I thought he made the best of what he could for his situation. The only other thing I'll say is we need Aaron, like Aaron Jones to get healthy. I don't know if he had a setback or what it was. I know that the Packers can be overcautious. Sound like Matt LaFleur, someone said that he was seemed pretty, you know, upset because they had made the plan on thinking he was going to play the entire week or whatever. So um, something must, I'm guessing there must have been a setback. And all I can say is I hope he's freaking healthy when come to Denver, because if we are going to make a little run at, you know, eight, nine wins, we need Aaron Jones. I don't think there's anyone on the market that we would trade for if they wanted to trade for JT now that he had a, he has an affordable contract. Sure. But it's not going to happen um, because the Colts just gave him guaranteed money or whatever. Right. So he's, he's yeah, there we're not getting, there's not help coming in that area. Um, I think Eric Wilson should probably start getting some more carries and because I think he could, breaks him off if you know he might you know give him 10 carries and maybe one of those he breaks for a 30 40 yard run so i'd like to see him getting a few more carries i guess but uh as far as the running game we just need aaron jones back but aj Dillon played well played a lot better this game actually taylor's contract's not terrible no, is that the thing though they did that to keep him they didn't yeah. do that to trade him i don't think yeah so. oh yeah for sure like there yeah. but his contract's not that bad 
No, that's what I'm saying. I'll do five million dollars for now. This year, ten next year, fifteen the year after. Yeah. And then they have it out in 2026 with only a two point five million dollar dead. Yeah, but how hilarious is it? If they traded for him now, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You got that contract, and Zach Moss just went fucking bonkers. Dude, that's why someone like listed off all the stats, and they're all like, "Oh, Jonathan Taylor came back. He had 26 carries." Well, just kidding. That's Zach Moss. (laughs) Dude, he was running hard. I was watching that game. He was going crazy. He's gonna remind me of like a James Robinson that is a good wide running back that just doesn't get like a consistent opportunity. (laughs) Like, he's been good for them this year, though. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, um, Jake, red zone offense. So I usually break them up in the times that they did. So the first one, they ran one play from the 18-yard line, so technically they were in the red zone. Um, it was a third and eight, uh, incomplete pass, but there was a penalty on the play. Myers wasn't a legal man downfield. We got a field goal. So uh, the second opportunity we had in the red zone, we just ran A.J. Dillon. Uh, and then we ran A.J. Dillon, and we ran A.J. Dillon until he got into the end zone. And I will say the offensive line was getting a pretty decent push on those runs. Um, so that was nice. Uh, the third one, now, this one really, really pissed me off. Um, I was about ready to break my TV in half. I won't lie to you. So first run, uh, they were like, all right, well, we had A.J. Dillon run up the middle the last time, and it just kind of worked. First play, negative two yards. So that's not great. Not a great start. Uh, then second and goal from the five. This was after the Christian Watson 77-yarder, by the way. So that pushes back to the five-yard line. He ran A.J. Dillon up the middle again, and he got one yard. So then we get the third, third and goal from the four-yard line. Maybe my least favorite play of the game. Oh, this is 100% my least favorite play of the game. You have a 6'5 wide receiver and a 6'6 tight end, and they are blocking. You have a right-handed quarterback going to his left. What the fuck? I am – what? You're going to throw to a 5'11 guy? Why would you draft a 6'6 tight end? Tell me. Why did you have the six-five wide receiver that can jump out of the building? T- uh, he doesn't have a touchdown this year. Th- this is this is this makes no sense. I say this all the time about sports when I'm talking to people at work. Sometimes it's really not that hard. They literally try to trick people. I I don't know what we're doing here. You have tall guys that jump high and catch footballs. Throw to them. That makes no sense to me. And then if you're gonna run that play. At least go to the damn right. So let me let me. I'm here to play devil's advocate. Jesus. Is first they roll left. That's the strong side of the field. They run the right hash, so there's more space to roll left. I get it. Okay. Next thing is it that play call specifically, and I didn't like the play call because you're doing it on third and four. If you're going to run that bootleg, where it's like, okay, if we don't pick it up. You know, that's okay. Do that on first down, not third down. But what I'll say on the play call specifically is we've seen it work on two-point conversions twice. Once to Samari Toure and once to Jaden Reed. And it seems like they were kind of trying to get to that position where they can catch a defensive back, uh, continuing to go with the flow, and then the receiver comes back the other way. 
because we have, like I said, we've seen it work with Samari Toure and Jaden Reed. So just like I said, I didn't like the play call at that down, but I do think I do think we've seen it work. And like I said, if it's if it's run on first down and then you throw one out of the back of the end zone, then I'm not upset about it because then you have two more downs to make them like a not a not a safer play call, but you know, that's, yeah, that to me is just a play you don't run on third down. Or even on second down, do it as a, you know, sure. play action. They probably got, they're, they're probably loaded up for the run that first play because they're like, well, last time they're down here, they ran it right, right down our throat. Yeah. If you you run that little play action where the tight end leaks out, it's probably touching on it with Luca Musgrave with his speed and size. Tell me a linebacker that's going to keep up with right. in that short space. And that's what Adarian said too. He said, I keep complaining that Luke Musgrave is being underutilized given his ability on the field. Like, Which so I agree, we like, agree. And the other thing is with Luke Musgrave, and I I do plan to say this as well in the coaching section, is like I want to see Luke Musgrave used more in the red zone. And I have to kind of remind myself of this, is that this is Luke Musgrave's fifth NFL game ever, and it's only his fifth game in the last two years. That's true, too. So we're talking about inexperience on the offense. It's like next <laughs> <Yeah>. level. <laughs> oh, so we gotta we gotta get some more experience before we're just calling for jump balls to everybody. And again, I'll say like, yes, we've seen Christian Watson do it, and we've seen him moss some people. And again, try that on first or second down. Romeo Dobbs is also great at it. True, and he's back shoulder. I trust Romeo Dobbs' hands as well. That's a couple so, of the touchdowns already been plays like that this year. Yep. So yeah, I mean. You have one of those to go on first or second down as well. And, you know, we're having a much different conversation here. Jake, anything else you wanted to say on the red zone? Fucking clean it up. Jesus. (laughs) All right. So I feel similarly about third down offense. (laughs) Um, The Packers were four of 13. That's 31%. That's uh, that's rough. That's below my 40% goal by a lot. Oh, boy. I will say... This is pretty on brand with how they've been the whole season. But first half, they were one for five. The only one that they picked up was a running first down or third down. Picked up the first down on third down. Um, the, the four passes that they didn't get a first down on, the distance, three, nine, 11, 11. Ooh. So we really we got to do a better job on the early downs. Yeah. setting up in in third and shorter than um i mean that's 34 so that's over eight yards on average third down distance mm-hmm. uh but second half they were four for eight so they were 50 percent in the second half which like i said is pretty on brand with how they've been um they were one for one on runs and then um three for three for seven on passes the distances in the second half on third down, five goal from the four, seven, six, ten, one, ten. So better, not good, but better. And then the very last one was the interception on the last offensive play of the game. And that, like we said, we, we talked about that being, you know, trying to make a play to win the game. Okay. So, Bryant, talk about special teams. Uh, special teams actually had a pretty good game. Um, I love to see Osh Nyman block a kick. That was kind of fun. That was uh, unexpected. I called that. I called that, by the way. You could ask Tyler. I called that. He did. He did, actually. He pointed it out. He's like, bro, is that Nyman out there on blocking kicks? 
Yeah, like, so that was good. We kind of talked. Andres Carlson been good kicking out the backfield. You play Andres? I say, Andres. I want to say, what did I say? You say Andres. It's not like Carlson. You said Andres. <laughs> you did uh, say Andres. Whatever. Andres. Anyway. <laughs> Andres. Um, I'm tired. I'm never forgetting that. I will say, um, Chris, uh, Nissan, next Jesus, Keyshawn. <laughs> you guys got me all messed up. Nissan <laughs> Ultima. Yeah, Nissan <laughs> Ultima. Oh my yeah, that's God. what he's running right now. It's like a freaking 1995 Nissan Ultima. <laughs> he didn't have a chance to return a kick, yet he still hurt us on special teams. He had a punt return for two yards. If he just runs straight. Oh, it's my like God, that bugged the fuck out of me. Yards. I'm like, what are you doing running across the field, man? You're running like just make the play that's there to be made. Yeah, Please, for the love of God, get us some yards on. And then I think immediately they took him out and put freaking read back in punt returns. But it's yeah. like if he's I I feel like he thinks he needs to hit a home run every time. And maybe he has that Aaron Rodgers mentality where Aaron Rodgers told him, take it out every time, nine years he'd tape it out. Take it out. We're not playing well enough on special teams right now for him to do that or for him not to take the extra ten yards he could have got by just running up the sidelines. Like, just make the play that's there for him right now is what I want to see him do. But other than that, special teams, I'll say they had a good game, but I can't really judge it properly because we didn't return a kick, and so we didn't have a bunch of penalties. That's fair. I'll toss it out there as a silver lining that it didn't yeah. hurt us either, though. I'm happy that we're playing in Denver our next game, too, because more than likely you'll be kicked to the back of the end zone every time because I've just been kind of exhausted with watching him get to the 15-yard line every time. Yeah. Feels like something I said in like week two, but don't get me wrong. He'll probably break one off for a touchdown at some point this year. But does that is that make up for all the negative field position that it seems like we've been put in? Yes. I don't know. Ask it, me it will immediately after he scores a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> if we're down twenty-eight to nothing at the time, I'll, <laughs> we'll great. I mean, it doesn't mean we'll be the Vikings forty-one to zero again. That'll be fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. we'll I see. Agree. But like, I'm just. That was the only negative play that was like on special teams. I'm like, what do you? And it was a two yard return, but it's like it could have been twelve or fifteen. Yeah. All right. So, going to the defense, Simon, what do you think about the secondary? Uh, I thought the secondary had a uh, solid game. Actually, I think Rasul had a really good game. Um, good coverage. He had two pass breakups. Um, only around, allowed two receptions, four targets for only 11 yards. Um, no, I, I can't think of anything that was super deep down the field. Um, nope. And uh, game plan, hold Adams in check, which I think they did a solid part of. I'm tired of hearing about Preston Smith on Devontae yep. Adams. Like uh, I, I plan on talking about that in the coaching. Oh, so okay. I'll, I'll, let you, no, I'll let you get to that. Uh, yeah, we, yeah. You can do it now yeah. and later. I don't give a shit. No, no, no. no, no we'll wait. Um, I, have, I have words, too. And then uh, the, and then I, I guess I'm confused at why Rudy Ford was 10 yards off the goal line on a slot receiver. I, I, I That was kind of baffling to me. Um, I guess that was that, – that's the only, like, major gashes I can think about. I think everyone else had a pretty solid game. Uh, Jair missing that. Oh, he got blanked by um, um, Josh Jacobs on that run. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. yeah, he, got, yeah. He got, that was tough. Buckled him. Yeah. For Josh Jacobs, yeah, I mean, he, he's, make, hey. he's going to make some plays. Yeah. But um, other than that, yeah, I think a pretty overall solid day. Um, Jake, how they do against the run? So they did really good, actually. Um 
They the run defense they had uh, the Raiders had 29 carries for 96 yards and a touchdown. It's only 3.3 yards per carry. That's not crazy. Definitely definitely livable. Um, Jacobs had 20 of those carries for 69 yards. Nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I only wrote down his stats for for my breakdown. Uh, going wide left, he was two for nine. Uh, inside left, where he scored his touchdown, he had four rushes for zero yards and a touchdown. Nice. That's just confusing. Hmm. But um, and inside right, he had 10 for 32. And wide right, he was four for 28. And of that 28, 23 of them came on that carry against Jair. So if you really think about it, they kind of held him in check pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Trey Tucker had a carry, one for 16. Amir Abdullah, one for four. Uh, Garoppolo, four for four. DeAndre Carter, two carries for three yards. Remember that one. I'm going to come back to that one. Uh, Jacoby Myers had one carry for zero yards. So if you add up everybody outside of Josh Jacobs, that's nine carries for 27 yards. That's really not crazy. So the run defense was definitely improved. I feel like gap responsibility was much better this week. So, um, yeah, I think it was improvement, which is positive. Yeah, I think they still have a little bit of work to do on the edges, but I I do agree with you that it is improving. Yep. So the the Jair miss on the tackle, <laughs> this is what I love is like people will bitch about our run defense and stuff, and then when players are in position to make plays and they miss it, they'll still blame Joe Barry. Yeah, it's really interesting. <laughs> that's what, that's what I brought up during the Atlanta game. Yeah. Is like we missed twenty tackles. Like what? What are what else do you want the defensive coordinator to do? I want Joe Barry to strap up and get out there. Let's go. He, pl- oh, he put Devondre Campbell on Bijan for one play. Yeah. That that holds the same amount of weight as missing 21 tackles. <laughs> Tyler, we just talked about it with the Badgers, right? The Badgers defense was playing bad the first couple of weeks. They averaged 11, 11 missed tackles a game. They looked really good last week. They missed one tackle. Weird how that works out. See what happens? They do really well. That brought up the same thing against New Orleans. They tackled well. I counted four missed tackles the entire game. They allowed 10 points. Yeah, weird. Weird. Oh, yeah. Almost like, you know, if you tackle well, the defense plays well. Interesting. Yeah. If you score touchdowns, you score points. Uh, oh. So, speaking of tackling, Simon, how did they do? Which, ironically enough, four missed tackles this game. Not hey. bad. Not bad at all. Matt LaFleur said it. You allow 17 points, that should allow you to win a lot of football yeah. games. I really, nope. this game, like, I... And outside of one outlier play, I really don't see what people have to be mad about Joe Barry of this game. Oh, they'll find a way. I have two, but we'll talk about that when I talk about the red zone. They'll find a way. One of them's not on Joe Barry. All right. Um, Simon, then what about the defensive line? Uh, I wanted to confirm, but I think that's the lowest missed tackles of the season so far. Um, Yeah, uh, defensive line. Pretty good day. Uh, Jake already brought up the Russian stats. I don't think I need to hit on that too hard. But, yeah, a long of 24s for um, Josh Jacobs. So he had 19 carries for uh, 45 yards before that, or if you don't include that. Um, but you can, whatever. I think just overall solid day. I thought Wyatt had a pretty good day. He had three pressures on four, only 14 pass rushes. And okay. uh, Clark had a pretty good game. Uh, he's been solid for us this year. Um, two pressures, a sack, and uh, three stops. Um, I, wanna, I forgot to add something. But... Can I throw something out while you're looking up what you're going to look up on Thank Kenny you. Clark? 
Yeah, I was just gonna say, can you say something? Yeah, I will. I will accept like a neutral zone infraction penalty here and there for the insane jumps that he's getting. Yeah, he's getting some fantastic jumps, and it's putting opposing quarterbacks in some really tough spots where they're making a two-step drop and their interior offensive lineman is already three yards into the backfield. Yeah. So I'm, I'm willing to take a neutral zone infraction penalty here and there on Kenny Clark in exchange for the jumps that he's getting because the rest of the game where he's doing that and not drawing the penalties, that is making a bigger impact than a five-yard penalty does here and there. I agree. The risk True. reward is very, very yeah. favorable. Yeah, uh, never mind. Oh, I forgot. Um, I, I I didn't find it. Doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, fired. Um, <clears throat> it's been a while since I've been fired, anyways. Yeah, it's true. Welcome back. Well, that's all um, I get for being here. Jake, <laughs> how did the pass rush do? I thought the pass rush was uh, fantastic. Um, we had four sacks: Clark, Gary, Smith, and Enigbare. So good on there. Uh, eight tackles for loss, McDuffie, Clark, Walker, Gary, Smith, Enigbari, and Owens. So uh, seven different players. Enigbari had two tackles for loss. We had six quarterback hits. Eric Wilson, Clark, Gary, Smith had two of them, and Enigbari again. So Enigbari and Smith had freaking great games. Uh, Clark had a really good game. I feel like the front seven was really holding their own, in my opinion. So they were good this game. Um, just – need to keep building momentum. We have a lot of young guys up front too. Um, and talking about the run defense, the thing that I forgot to mention is we are without two of our starting middle linebackers for a majority of this game. Half. So, so for us to, to hold the run game down like that with two backups and McDuffie looked absolutely spent, but he was playing a really, really good game. I like Eric Wilson as a backup. He's pretty good. So um, I feel like the front seven's kind of coming together. I feel like it's molding and coming together for what's going to be for the next five years. I'll save what I want to say on the defense as a whole until we get through the the last two segments here. But I have something I want to say about the defense as a whole with this game. But uh, Bryant, how did the defense do in the red zone? I thought this is honestly, I thought this is our bad, worst game um, in the red zone so far. And you might say, well, what about Detroit? Well, actually, we're worse than Detroit. We gave them 66%. They had three trips. We gave them two touchdowns. But there's two plays in particular I want to talk about in the red zone. I know me and Jake talked about this one during the game. You cannot have your player flat-footed on the goal line, eight yards deep, and then take a step backwards and then hope to make a tackle when the he's standing there flat-footed and the wide receiver catches an easy catch with momentum running towards the end zone. He's just not going to make that play 95% of the time. Yeah, he could have made a great tackle there, but that's just not a good position for him. And I don't know if that's on Joe Barry or if that's on the player's decision to step back that far, but if that's the player's decision, I want to give him this much cushion. I would rather him get beat over the top and have to have a throw over the top of his head than have him try to make a tackle when he's just standing still and a player – the same size as him is running full speed with the ball or, you know, a harder, a harder completion to make. Yeah, it, exactly. Like make him make the play over the top. Yep. And then the second one, and then we've seen it everywhere. Preston Smith on Devonte Adams. Look, Joe Barry and the defense got out schemed in that position. That doesn't mean we have to accept the loss. That is where I expect on a third and three, we had just taken the lead. If we hold them there, they probably kick the field goal to make it 13-13. That's where I need Matt LaFleur to come out and say, timeout, let's get in a better set and let's have a chance to stop them here. 
Barry got out schemed. It's going to happen. That doesn't mean you just have to let the play go. We had three timeouts at the time. Call a timeout. 100% of the time on third and three, if Preston Smith is covering Devontae Adams, I could be throwing the pass and it's going to be a freaking first down because Preston Smith has zero chance to cover Devontae Adams. And what that's I'll where, that's where I said I was gonna say that's not sorry that's not on Joe Barry I think that's on Matt Lafleur and he needs to call the timeout in that position. I don't remember I don't remember how much time was left in the game, but I think that's where you need to look at is is saving your timeouts for how much time is left in the game more important than having your personnel lined up better in a third and short. And I, and in that case, when you're talking about either you know holding to tie the game or taking the lead, I think you call the timeout. And I think it was either late in the third or early in the fourth. I think it was. Early and and it's not like our offense was cooking or anything. You know what I mean? We needed to hold them to little every I little. I think they scored on the first play of the fourth quarter. Yeah. So like, to me, oh, I just, I need him to call a timeout there. And okay, so my. Jake, talk about the third down defense, and then we'll come back to the Preston Smith play. Yeah. All right. So, third down defense. Um, third and five or shorter, they ended up three for seven. So, actually, eh. Uh, we got, we ended up getting two sacks in those situations, so that's pretty good. Um, yeah, I got, I got something to say later, too. Um, third and six and longer, we held them two for six. Uh, overall, they were five for 13 on third down, which is eh. And they were one for one on fourth down. So I told you I was going to come back to DeAndre Carter two for three, right? One of the third and five and shorters that they didn't pick up was actually a third and one. And they didn't pick it up. Immediately after that play on the fourth and one, they ran the ball with DeAndre Carter. He got three yards. So this is where I go back. And this is me being petty. People want to look at stats. You look at DeAndre Carter and you see he had two carries for three yards and you think he didn't impact the game. That that fourth down that he picked up was on the same drive that they took the lead and ended up winning the game. So don't tell me that stats tell the entire story. Yeah. I tell, tell you about half. Yeah, that's what I say all the time. And and Jake, we've done this throughout every single sport, every single team that we've talked about on this show mm-hmm. is Box score watching is a really good way to tell me that you're casual. No, hundred percent. Um, it's it's part of what we've discussed with Jordan Love's completion percentage. Is, is people just being like, "Oh, his completion percentage is low," not taking into account the fact that all of his pass catchers are rookies or second year players who have struggled with drops, uh, route running, not understanding where to sit in zone defenses. All of those things are important, and they all yeah. bake into. Jordan Love's completion percentage. I'm willing to stake that he his completion percentage would be five to seven percent higher with fewer drops and with better, um, you know, understanding of where to be in like zone coverage and things like that. Right. So, going into the coaching, I'm going to come back to the Preston Smith on Devontae Adams play. Now, this is like I said, I, I very briefly touched on this before. Is it's like the Devondre Campbell on Bijan Robinson play? The first part of this the first part that creates this problem is being in a third and short situation in the first place that that's part of the problem like obviously it's not you're not gonna completely stop a team from being in third and short the entire situation but being in a position where you can have mismatches exploited against you in a third and short situation that is a really tough place to succeed 
Now, what I want to say about this is that, again, this one play does not hold as much weight equally as the rest of this entire game where the defense allowed only 17 points. You allow 17 points, you should be able to win a football game. Now, what I want to say with this is we spent probably, I would say, at least four years saying that we believe that Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver in the NFL. I know I've said it for a long time. He is. <laughs> We're just going to act like, let's let's just say, and like, again, I'm going to play the devil's advocate here. Let's just say Keyshawn Nixon's guarding him. Or Rasul Douglas. You're going to tell me that you still don't believe that Devontae Adams could pick that up anyways in a third and short situation? Even if we have the right personnel? I mean, yeah, possibly, but I'd rather be in the right personnel. Right, and I, and I agree with you. I do and agree with you. That you look, I mean, you make them change that look. Right, and I agree with you. But, I mean, it's still Devontae Adams. Yeah, and I agree. But if we go from Preston Smith, 0% to Keyshawn Nixon, 50% chance we stop that, or 25 even a you know, give us a fighting chance. Right. We and have I, no fighting chance with Preston Smith. I, and I I do agree with you. Like call the timeout to get a better, you know, a better thing that gives you a better chance to stop it. But I mean we're still talking about Devontae Adams. Yeah. So, I, I I agree with both of you. Um I think the one thing that people need to understand is Barry was trying to cook up a, a blitz. So he blitzed the safety and he he blitzed in a lot an extra linebacker on the weak side, just trying to get Jimmy to roll out and freak out and maybe Missed a pass, which is good. Obviously. But he, yeah, he he got to throw I, that ball within a half a second. Then you, well, I know like, they all jump up and try to knock it down. I guess, but right, I know. But in and when I was looking at, at Jimmy's like pass breakdown, he didn't complete a pass against us over twenty yards. So that was pretty much what you should have been looking at. And if you're if you're Joe Barry, you got to fo- force him to beat us. And yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, well, what's the adjustment there? Do you just make Jair follow him? I don't, I don't know. know what you call uh, for sure. I think in that situation, you call a timeout and just take a second to, because that's such a pivotal point in the game. Yeah. And I think, and I've said this before too, is discussing it because we've had problems stopping the run. It's hard to just say, put an extra defensive back on the field because we need guys to be able to stop the run. There's nothing to say that the, the Raiders wouldn't run the ball on a third and three with Josh Jacobs, the leading rusher in the NFL last year with an extra defensive back <clears throat> if they see that we have five or six DBs on the field in that situation. Yeah. That's what being in third and short allows you to do. It opens your playbook up regardless of how your defense matches up. And that's something we really need to, we need to discuss more is the fact that the opponent has a say in what happens. Yeah. I think, and I know I'm playing devil advocate a little bit. I would still rather take the situation of us having six DBs on the field and Josh Jacobs having to get three yards than Preston Smith trying to cover Devontae Adams. But yeah, like I just feel like that's a spot where you burn a timeout and get in a better position. That's that was yeah. my point on it. So yeah, and that's fair. Right, um, that, yeah. The two things that I want to say about Matt Lafleur specifically, as far as coaching goes, is uh, Matt Lafleur does get a lot of shit for his play calling, but I don't think it's nearly as bad as people are acting like it is. We've discussed plays not being executed properly. Jake and I have broken down tons of plays where they have good play design, good play calls. Um, I, we've Jake and I have broken broken down actually a few plays that resulted in incompletions for still being good play designs and good play calls. It's just the execution needs to be there too. 
Um, people just need to have some patience. I'm going to come back to it. I'm going to say it again. We just have to be patient. This is young players executing all of these plays, which is a factor. Have you guys ever heard the quote from Nick Saban about the, the power of nothing? No. You guys ever heard it? It's one of the best, best things that I've ever heard. So he talks about if you're talented but you don't work, what do you get out of that? Nothing. If you call a good play but the execution is shit, what do you get out of that? Nothing. So basically he just goes on for about 30 seconds talking about you can have all this stuff. But if you don't put the preparation in, you don't put the work in, you don't care, you don't pay attention to detail, you get nothing out of it. So that's what I'm seeing, right? And that, that's that's what I think about when I think about the Packers is Matt LaFleur can call all these great fancy plays. If the execution isn't there, you're seeing the result. Nothing. Yeah, and that's fair. And that's why we, like, we really have to just keep like reminding ourselves of the fact that this is a team game. Yeah. Um, the other thing, and this is where I will be a little bit critical of Matt LaFleur and Jake, and I know I knew you and I talked about this, is I was I was good with the way that they ran the first drive. They set up the run. They dedicated to the run, which I liked that. What I like felt was missing was they completely abandoned the deep shots early in the game. They started taking them as the game went on, but we watched the, through the first four games. They took a bunch of deep shots early in the game. We didn't have any of that in the first drive. So that's that's my really my only gripe, I guess, um, is not taking any deep shots on the first drive of the game that ended up resulting in a punt. Um, they they ran the ball well. They had some nice short completions to Jordan Love. Then they got into a third and three situation. And I'll say this with Jordan Love, and this is something that a lot of outlets will talk about with young quarterbacks, is um, staying in the pocket, maybe holding onto the ball too long because they're trying to make the big play. And I need to watch the all 22 film of this because it looked like on that third and three that Jordan Love had a check down that he could have taken, but he was trying to complete the deep ball to Jaden Reed and it just ended up being incomplete because there was too much coverage. Um, so I need to check out that play again to see if that was the case, but it looked like the check down was open on that third and three and it could have kept the Packers first drive. So as far as... Um, Darian said, I feel the defensive linemen we have are better suited as pass rushers more than run stoppers. Yep. They are on, on the surface. I believe that a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot of a handful of the guys that we've drafted over the last couple of years have the ability to also be run stoppers. Um, Colby Wooden is one that I will absolutely put in that camp. Um, <clears throat> Lucas Van Ness, I believe has the capability to be, to be both a run stopper and a pass rusher. Um, it's just it's another thing where it's going to be patience and evaluation. So Agreed. as far as time of possession goes, the Raiders have the ball, 32 minutes, 34 seconds. Packers, 27 minutes, 26 seconds. It's not bad overall, but looking at the Raiders' two touchdown drives, eight minutes, 28 seconds, five minutes, and 16 seconds. Those yep. two drives accounted for 42% of their time of possession. That's that's a long time to be on the field. Yeah, it is. Um, Vegas ran sixty-four plays to Green Bay's fifty-seven plays. So that's really where I come down on the time of possession. It wasn't bad, wasn't great. Um, 
and yeah, just the two touchdown drives ended up being like the really long ones, the really back-breaking long touchdown drives. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not like like you guys have talked about. Devontae Adams didn't have any big plays. Jimmy G didn't have any completions over 20 yards. They they really dinked and dunked their way down the field. They didn't give up any big plays. You know, there wasn't any like blown assignments. I will say, um, Bryant, I don't think you brought it up in the red zone. There was the one play where Keyshawn Nixon had the right oh. idea, but he was like a second late on the yeah. play. And you could see Rasul knew it, uh, knew that that play was there where if Kijan Nixon just sees what he saw just a second sooner, he's maybe making an interception in the red zone. Um, and that's, yeah, that's just one of those things where maybe maybe Eric Stokes back, he can make a play like that. I'm not saying that Kijan Nixon isn't capable of it, but um, I'm interested to see what, what Eric Stokes can do to build on his first uh, experience. Yep. I'm interested to see how they utilize him when he comes back. Yeah, it'll be interesting. All right, so we are – okay, actually, nope, I'm not done. I want to give a shout-out to one more guy. I want to give a shout-out to Josiah DeGuara. I'm for he it. One, he had one reception, I believe it was for 19 yards, and then Josiah DeGuara did a pretty good job blocking in this game. Um, so being a good blocker is a thankless job, and I want to give Josiah DeGuara some credit for it. Um, he, yeah, he really did a good job in this game, so I wanted to give him some credit. Um, and I did actually forget one other thing that I wanted to bring up is this season as an evaluation season is also going to be where we see what we need to address in the draft next year. Mm-hmm. And one position that I'm going to go ahead and say in week five is already something we need to address in the draft next year is center. Yep. Uh, it's going to need to be, um, I'm not saying we need to draft a first round center. But it needs to, at the very least, be a priority. I agree. Okay. Is is there anything else you guys want to say on the Raiders game? We're going to do the, the Packers-Broncos preview next Friday with the Packers being on bye this week. We don't have a preview. Um, so is there anything else you guys want to say on the Packers and Raiders game? No, I do. I want to say that I think Jake made a great point earlier in the game, you know, or earlier in the show. That throw to Watson, if it's you know one or two yards higher, and then if we make one drive against Atlanta, we'd be talking about a four and one team versus it's that close. We're that close, and yeah, Atlanta and Raiders aren't world beaters, but that's some of the games that you would like to see us play. And historically, out of a bye, the Packers have started slow. But if we go in and we get embarrassed by Denver and we let Russ cook somehow, where he hasn't been able to make toast this year, like mm-hmm. we'll have have to have a different conversation. But like. Uh, <laughs> Uh, hopefully they're ready. Hopefully this is kind of a wake up call. Like, okay, we're better than this, and maybe we, yeah, we need to stop making using the excuse that we're young and that they step up a little bit and come out. Maybe the coaches, you know, for, mostly on the offense side. I think the defense has been pretty good, other than some like just head scratching like decisions, like we've talked about. But ultimately, they're, you know, not. There have been several. How many games have we had where we didn't give up twenty points so far? You know, um, New Orleans Raiders. Uh, Bears, right? Or maybe they scored late in the game or whatever. I think they had like a garbage time touchdown yeah. and got all the second stringers in. Yeah, so like essentially three out of five games, we've held them lower than 20 points. You should expect to win those games, and unfortunately we've only won one of them, you know what I mean? Right. So, two, of two of them. I, mean, but, I will uh, say, I will say to your point about the defense that um, I think the defense has been a lot better than people, people have been giving them credit for. 
Yeah. And yep, this one. is the defense that we wanted, you know, for the last couple of years with Rodgers, and we're kind of yep. getting it now. But it's okay because we got a lot of young guys on defense, you know, with some people coming back, and Eric Stokes is going to be coming back. Uh, Gary's just going to keep getting stronger. So, you know, we're, we're really setting our team up. And if I've said it once, I've said it a million times, this team in two years, we're going to be owning the NFC in two years. I firmly believe that. Yeah. And <laughs> – Jake, this occurred to me today. I was going to say it at the end of the show today. Oh. It's to me, and we went through this as Milwaukee Bucks fans, we are in the own the future time say it. as the Green Bay Packers. Say it with your chest, boy. I agree. <laughs> I am 100% with that. Say it with your chest, boy. I'm with it. That's that's where we are at. We are in the own the future time of Green Bay Packer football. If you were a Bucks fan, dude, and you were you were there for those times, it was not pretty with Giannis all the time. But every once in a while, 2016 was rough. But bro, every once in a while, he would dunk on somebody, and you're like, "Shit, man, we lost by 35, but that dunk was sick, bro." <laughs> that's that's where we're at. Jordan Love played five games this year, and he's thrown three touchdowns twice. Like, yeah, I agree with that. Let's go. So, uh, speaking of Gary, I. This was the this was the first game where he took over thirty. Well, he took thirty snaps. The rest of them have been around twenty, hovering around twenty ish. So it seems like he's ramping up to where, like after the bye week, he, he might be looking at close to a, a probably a full slate of snaps or around where he would normally be back. I'll like say that. I'll say fifty percent of snaps. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's just. I'm, I'm saying, I'm just saying that like, he's ramping up to to getting back to where he. He'll will. never so play it all. Be... Like 100 percent right. Yeah. No, 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 that's not what I meant. I, mean, and like, I know what you mean, Simon. That's what yeah, I was saying okay. to Tyler. Like, I think Tyler's saying he's probably going to be up to his normal like 40, 50 snaps a game here pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Um, also, he, I, I want to say, don't quote me on this because I have to go back and look. He's leading the league and like, um. What was it? Um, pass rush snaps or pre- pressures per pre- pass rush snap. That was a lot of. That was a lot of. Yeah. Sh- yeah. <laughs> pressures per pass rush snap. There we nice. Go. That was better. Good job. <laughs> I had to think about perfect. it. Very nice. You, you didn't call Kijan Nixon Nissan or Anders Carlson Andres, <laughs> so you got that going for you. <laughs> All I can think of is Anders Carlson with dreads. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta we got a guy Anders that can get him some fake ones, dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're <laughs> this is Andres Carlson. <laughs> Alrighty, well, I will see you guys back next Friday then. Jake, I will see you on Wednesday. Everybody have a good night. Thanks for watching and tuning in. Yay. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.